what breaks my heart the most, you guys, is when I have a young adult that clearly is not loving life and not loving what they're doing, not loving where they're living, you know, all the things. And I get them to write a vision out or, or, or at least just talk to me about what they dreamed about doing when they were growing up. And if they tell me, a lot of times they won't, what that is, and I ask them, why aren't you doing it? It's all the things. Well, you know, I've got to go back to school and learn it. I've got to, what if I go do it? It doesn't work. And I fail at it. What if I go all in and it just, I don't really love it. So they just stop. They're not even attempting to go after their true purpose because they're so scared. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast where we shift your WTF moments into WTL moments and learn together how to transform your life and relationships through social-emotional learning. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, social-emotional learning experts and the co-founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. In each episode, we'll explore the five competencies of SEL, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making and share practical tips, stories, and strategies for building these skills in ourselves and others. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just looking to improve your own social-emotional well-being, this podcast is for you. Join us as we navigate the exciting and sometimes challenging world of SEL and discover the power that emotional intelligence has to transform our lives and communities. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to What's the Lesson? We are your co-hosts, Jill and Mary, coming at you live from our studio, aka my third bedroom in my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Lessonators? How's everybody's day going so far? We are back to back to back on podcast today, and I love having it stacked this way because we get to have so many incredible conversations with so many dynamic people, and today's guest is clearly no different. Um, Man, I'm not even sure when we were introduced to you. I always have to stop and take a pause and realize that Jill and I are not the same person. So it's likely that we were introduced to people in different areas of our (laughs) life. So much like a lot of my relationships, I think I was introduced to you initially through the powerhouse women community. I think Lindsay brought you on 2019, 2020 to do a talk about vision and goals. So you guys, on the other end of our screen is the vision master herself, the one and only Carrie Conley. So Carrie, welcome to the show. Hi, Carrie. Thank you, guys. What a treat. And thank you for that intro. This just made my day. Oh well, my gosh. I mean, I there are several ways I think I can describe you. I mean, you've overcome so much. And obviously, from the name of our podcast, it's WTL, which stands for What's the Lesson? We love to say we take all of your WTF moments. We all know what that F word stands for. <laughs> and we like to flip it into the lessons that those moments actually taught you. And whether you're able to derive a lesson in that moment or not, hopefully someday you're going to be able to look through the rearview mirror and say, oh, oh my gosh, that set me up for whatever it set you up for. It actually didn't happen to me. I'm not a victim of my life. It happened for me, and I'm actually a victor in my life. And I don't actually know of a better guest that could speak to that more so than you. So 
vision master just felt all encompassing. <laughs> it really did. I'm writing that down and keeping it vision master. <laughs> well, and I'm sure our, our listeners are like, oh my gosh, what is a vision master? And you embody so much, Carrie. So can you just fill us in on a little bit about who you are, what you do and who you get to be for so many people? Yeah, sure. Thanks you guys. You know, the story goes that when I was in my late twenties, which was, you know, a few years ago, I was not doing the nine to five gig very well. And this was the late eighties and we were all taught to do the nine to five gig, right? We were taught to get the degree, go to get the job and work your way up the ranks. And I just, I didn't fit the mold. So I had a mentor come into my life. And for the first time she said to me, you can create your life to look like whatever you want it to be. You just have to get very, very clear on what that is. And so she encouraged me to take some time, which I did. I took a day off of work and with a legal pad of paper, yeah, I sat down because this was the 80s. Girl. Yeah, that's right. Get <laughs> that legal pad. There wasn't too much PTO either. You were like, Ooh, I got to be sparing with my selection of time here. <laughs> yeah. So I sat down and I wrote out in great detail what I wanted my life to look like. A lot about the relationship I wanted to have with my husband, the kind of mom I wanted to be once we started having kids was really, really clear about the mom thing. If I were to become an entrepreneur, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I noodled a bunch of different ideas. So I wrote things out like maybe be a marketing consultant because my background was in advertising and marketing, maybe something in skincare, maybe something in health and wellness, maybe, you know, I wrote a lot of different ideas, but for the first time ever out of the blue, I wrote that someday I thought that I wanted to teach vision and goal setting to other people. Bam. Mm -hmm. Wow. No where that came from. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. was, was that just quit? I'm going to interject for just a moment. You've never done that in the past. Never. I think, well, now I know what happened that day, you guys, is I was collaborating with God, basically. I was, I was so just going to say that. <laughs> I had some divine intervention. So because I got really clear, things started happening. I had my son and I went back to work and I was miserable because he was in daycare and I was still doing the nine to five thing. But one day I got invited to a skincare party for my best friend from high school, the company called Arbonne. And I fell in love with it, hook, line, and sinker, got pregnant with baby number two, and really decided, you know what, this is the thing that I'd been asking for. I checked all the boxes of everything I wanted, stay at home, residual income, you know, work from home with my kids, all the things. And so I did that for a very, very long time. And then 10 years ago, I decided to take the curriculum that I had taught on my team about vision and goal setting and create my own content around it. So I started doing little workshops. I think my eight best friends came to my first one, right? Yeah, they did. Of yeah. course. You, I mean, your best friends will always show always up. Always be there. Yeah. So they said, yeah, this is good. And so I started speaking. I started coaching, bringing people into masterminds. I started with six weeks and then I had a one-year mastermind I would bring people into to teach them how to take their vision, what I call their someday, I'm hoping, I'm wishing, I'm praying plan, right? Out of their head and onto paper. Because most people live with a dream, just kind of rolling around. And nobody thinks to sit down and say, you know what, I should really write this out. Right. Yeah. Well, and I love that not only was it a collaboration with God, God put your mentor in your life for a reason. And what she told you was you need to have a vision and you need to have goals. So you better go get that legal pad and you better start writing some things down. So the fact that, I mean, I just love the way God works. It's so great. Yeah. You're around other people doing the nine to five. 
you know, you've got your blinders on, your head's down, you're probably trying to the best of your ability to climb the corporate ladder. And boom, you've got somebody in your life that has you think a different way. That's more in line with the way you were feeling. Mm -hmm. So you did, you got that vision out of your head and you wrote it down on paper. And little did you know that however many years later, you would be utilizing that exact moment in time to help other people do the same. Right. So you host workshops, you do masterminds, you are a professional speaker. This is all you starting in this vision and goal work. Where are you now? How do you teach this now? Has much changed? Have you streamlined? Do you offer different courses? During the trajectory of the past 10 years of me going in this direction, I started bringing in a lot of mostly female entrepreneurs to help them get their vision out of their head onto paper so that they could create a money-making business instead of a really expensive hobby. Mm. And that worked really, really well for many years. But unfortunately, in 2014, we lost my husband to suicide. And then three years later, lost my 26-year-old son to suicide as well. And mm. so during that time, a lot of sh a lot shifted, of course. My daughter and I co-authored a book together in 2019 called Keep Looking Up. And uh, she and I started speaking together. And then she got married and started popping out babies. So she speaks with me sometimes and maybe other people. <laughs> <not> so, <much. laughs> so, so now I speak, you guys, with the intention of really, really getting people to understand why they need to have a clear vision for their life because way beyond running a business, it's, it gives them hope. It gives them a purpose. I'm very, very focused, as you guys know, on young adults right now. Yeah. Because they are super struggling, as you guys know. Yeah. yeah. Very, very much so. Don't have a vision. Don't really know what to do with their life. You know, and they're drifting and they know it and it scares them. Yeah, 100%. I want to backtrack just a little bit because you for a while probably felt really clear once you got clear on what you wanted in life and you were going after it and you were probably hanging out and attracting people to align with your vision. And then because because I, I want to be really honest sometimes, though, too. I used to teach vision and goals at Lululemon. That was part of my job. And it was difficult for me. I was like, man, mm -hmm. I know I'm the one that's supposed to be teaching this, but I myself am really conflicted around how does this make sense for me? Because I, I am a go-getter and I just it was hard for me to be like, okay, I want to have dreams, but what happens if life happens? Like, mm -hmm. then what? So I say that to say, because you also had this aha moment of writing down your vision and then you lost your husband. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, you lost your, your son. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine, I'm, I'm a wife and a mama as well. And I can't imagine your vision completely shifting on you. Right. So can you just talk about how vision supports you in moving in a direction and it and it's also okay to pivot and not getting stuck or what did you do when tragedy right. stuck because yeah. I'm sure there's people listening out there who are who can see themselves in this story. Yeah. This is a really great question you guys. I'm glad you asked it because a lot of people get very conflicted about writing a vision because they do think, well, why do you write a vision when so much you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And obviously I didn't see any of this coming, right? This yeah. was a big part of my life was not what, how it is now <laughs> Yeah, by a long shot. Two years before my husband died, we had, we had downsized into a smaller house. And I thought that was going to be where we 
retired, had totally renovated it so that we had a huge basement when our kids we thought would be coming back with their their families would stay, right? Yeah. So obviously that portion of my life has not a part of my vision. But here's what I mean by vision. Vision is much more than just your lifestyle. It's your purpose. And so what happened at that moment, now remember what I told you, I wrote in the 80s, all these things. And out of the blue, I wrote for the first time that someday, someday I wanted to be a speaker on vision and goal setting. Right. And so what I knew after my husband died, and then of course my son was God had been preparing me for this. Mm. Right. So all those years I'd been teaching it became the foundation of, okay, now I know. Now I know what I was getting prepared for. So I tell people, one of my favorite quotes, you guys, is by Andy Stanley. And sometimes I back make this backwards, but you'll get the gist, is to write your vision in pen and your path in pencil. I love that quote. Yeah. I love that quote so much. Yes. I say it all, all the, time. the time because it's so true. And I, I honestly, people get so stuck. And the 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 vision I have, you can't see me unless you're watching this on YouTube or one of our videos, but the vision I have is this, right? We want to control so much. And what I'm doing is clenching my fists and my knuckles are turning a shade of white that you know, indicates that there's a lack of blood flow, which is so much bigger than what's actually going on in my hands. But then when you open your palms, you are open to the possibility of life. So right. when life throws you a curveball, mm -hmm. it's you're not stuck in thinking that it has to happen this way. And this is the exact path that I right. need to take in order to get there. And right. I think that's such a beautiful representation um, of the fact that you had purpose through pain. Mm -hmm. So through this tragedy, I mean, I like Jill, I can't, I can't imagine going through something like that. And you really were able to turn that tragedy into more fuel for your purpose right. because now you had real life experience. I'm not saying you didn't have that before, but it was relatable and real lived experience to say, this is why your vision matters. Mm -hmm. This is why you need to get it out on paper. This is exactly why you don't ignore this because life is going to happen and it's going to happen when you least expect right. it. And you need to be prepared for the rebound. Right. Because you, I mean, obviously there's a period of grief that you go through and I'm sure you still experience waves of that to this day. However, you can't stay there. If you stay there, everything else along with it, it goes with you. And it's, it's, it's hard to say, I can't say that and say, just get up and move on because that's not it at all. But if you had that written down and you had your purpose put directly in front of you, you understood more of why, the why behind that being part of your story. And you were able to use it to really lace it into your overall purpose. And I think yeah. that's where I really wanted to tie in the social emotional learning aspect of it. Because with social emotional learning, there's five competencies and the biggest one is self-awareness. And you had to have an incredible amount of self-awareness during this time of your life that was incredibly, probably unexpected, a huge tragedy and something that could have really kept you down for the long haul. However, you knew that you obviously had a daughter to continue to look after and now a life to build after tragedy that the self-awareness that you had to have in order to pick yourself back up and move on i can't it's mm. out of this world it's, it's through so, the roof it's commendable yeah. it really is and it gives i mean i know people who have lost 
children and family members and spouses and it ruins them. Mm-hmm. It, it takes them down and it keeps yeah. them down and th- they become hard. So mm-hmm. you get to be a different example for people to say like, I know what you have experienced and you still have more, like, how do you use that for, for good? Because you still have so much more to give. Obviously because of my story and being so transparent about it, I have a lot of people reach out to me that have lost family members, not just to suicide, but I'm also a part of a huge organization based out of Arizona called Helping Parents Heal. Mm. I should introduce her, the founder to you guys. Huge. Yeah, would love that. We would love that. Tens of thousands of members she has all over the world. And so obviously I, I've been around a lot of parents and people who've lost spouses. And I see one of two things. Either they really just, the pain just overwhelms them mm-hmm. and they just don't know how to get past it and can't have a vision or they dig really deep like I did into their faith. And that's, you know, thank you for committing me on my strength, you guys. But seriously, you have to know that it's just... It is beyond me how I get up every day and find the joy. And, you know, it's just, and it's inexplicable. But I also know that I'm being powered by a lot of angels that are fueling me and pushing me and guiding me to do this. And also to, you know, fulfill my purpose. And, And I'm very clear that this is what it is. You guys, have you heard that we're hosting a summer camp? Listen, you can go to a summer camp that kills time or you can attend a camp that leverages it. This summer, we aim to empower and inspire young women to pursue more. More confidence, more positive friendships, more community impact, more dreams and aspirations, more self-honoring and healthy habits. To explore more camp options, go to girlsmentorship.com. We can't wait to see you there. And I was going to say, how much joy, how much happiness do you find in having conversations with people where you get to be that space for them? You get to give them the permission to move on and seek out what their purpose is. And they, I'm sure you've heard, I a million stories around how you've impacted people or helped them really get past the barriers of what they've dealt with based on your being. And I just, I want to point out, yes, faith is incredible and faith without works is dead, right? So you have guardian angels, you have the faith, God's on your side, but you had to put one foot in front of the other. He couldn't do it for you. So the fact that you did that has now created this aura about you in terms of being a lighthouse for other people. So in terms of turning your pain into purpose, or as the popular saying goes, like your tragedies and your tribulations have now turned into other people's survival guides. Will you just paint a little picture of how incredible that's been for you to be the an advocate or a face and somebody that people can turn to in their darkest hours. You know, my favorite thing to do, you guys, literally, if I could just get up and just go do this one thing every day, it'd be like my dream. Right. And that is to be in front of a live audience speaking. I just love it. Mm -hmm. I love it because I get to feel the energy. I've learned how to bring up the energy if I need to. I've learned how to get people to interact with me very quickly and to either laugh, cry, smile, 
open up, be really transparent. I used to do my own huge event every January and I will probably do it again. It's called Vision is Victory, which is the title of my first book. And I loved it because it was two days of being in front of a live audience, getting people to collaborate with each other, make breakthroughs, breakdowns, connections. At, at certain points, I would have we had we had uh, live mics in the aisles, and I would stop every hour for Q and A, and people would come forward and share their stories or ask me something really deep. There's nothing like it. Like at the end of that day, I'm just like, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> How do I have more days like? Oh, good. When when COVID happened and we all went behind this screen and Zoom, ugh, it was challenging. You guys, seriously. Yeah heartbreaking for you. I can only yeah. imagine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's great that we get to do this, but uh, now that we are back to having events and things, I'm just thrilled. So yeah. 100%. So tell us a little bit more about you working with, you mentioned you've worked with a ton of different people, but your focus now is on a certain population and not too far off of the age range that we work, but curious around what's brought you to this age demographic and, and what, what are the conversations that you're having with them and what, what do you do with them? You know, I have wanted to work with this group for a very long time, even before my son passed. And I think it's because for some reason, I really resonate with them and they really like me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you're but- you're likable, <laughs> exactly. Well, and uh, you're real. Well, yeah. and I have to say, I when you were working your way through that corporate ladder and you had that, we'll keep referencing the legal pad, you were probably around that age. Yes. So it probably brings you back to the mm-hmm. age where you really made yeah. a drastic life change for yourself. So you yep. see the possibility for these kids and where they're at right now, their whole world's That's in front really of them. Follow. Right. That's a great epiphany, Mary. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, I just, when my, when our kids were growing up, we had the house where a lot of them would hang out. And so I became good friends with my daughter's friends and my son's friends, and they still stay in touch with me. And now, of course, they are, they're starting their lives, they're getting married, having babies, you know, all the things. And so I hear from them what they're thinking, what they're going through by the questions that they ask me. I also get parents reaching out to me every once in a while saying, hey, I've got a 30-year-old that's really struggling right now, and can you talk to them? And it's interesting because I've, I'm finding several things that are commonalities. One they aren't necessarily happy with their jobs. They followed the, the educational system of doing what they were told to do, right? Yeah. Get a good degree, come out of school, get the job. And then they're looking around a year later, you guys going, how did I get here? Like, this right. Is- or if you do all the things, then you'll be happy. Right. And you're like, right. I've done all the things. You'll make the money. Done all the things. Yeah. $40,000 right. in debt from doing all the things. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, yes. Oh, so they're in debt. They don't necessarily love what they're doing. They don't have any idea that they can change that because nobody's taught them. Right. Then the doubt creeps in. And now we're talking about anxiety and loneliness. Somebody sent me an article a couple of weeks ago about loneliness and the highest percentage of age group in loneliness, you would think would be my age and turned 61 this week. It's it's the young adults and the Did kids. Did we send you that article? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I bet you know what I'm talking about. And I thought to myself, how can these kids be lonely? Do you remember being lonely, you guys, growing up? Maybe? I don't know. It's a whole different world for me. But And I'm much, much older than you guys. 
but I from I, time to time, yes, but not. It was never like a a thing that lasted. I think of right. a dark cloud above people's yeah. heads as just a visual in in my brain, and that cloud following you around. And of course, that cloud came in every once in a while, but more often than not, like life was definitely different. I know a lot of people ask questions as to why the millennial generation is so connected to nostalgia, like the music and the style and the things that were going on in, I'll say, the 90s, 2000s, early 2000s. And I think for me, I've answered that question in such a way it's because it's before the world changed. And the world changed drastically when technology became such a large part of our day to day. And technology is incredible. Technology, I'll say this over and over and over again, technology is an incredible servant and a terrible master, and we've let it master our lives. And I think because of that, we've lost the ability to connect with people. So it makes sense that loneliness is such a huge issue for this Gen Z alpha generation coming up. Right. Yeah. Again, very scary. And so I just feel what they're going through. I feel their struggles with how to manage money better because they didn't learn that well either, unless their parents were really good about it. Relationships, boundaries. I did a coaching group with, I did a test group about four summers ago and brought some young adults through about eight weeks of coaching on all the, all the subjects, right? Relationships, their faith, their fitness and health, finances, all that. And it was interesting to me, the questions they asked. And a lot of it was around boundaries needing to learn how to set better boundaries, especially as they were becoming adults and starting their own lives. Mm. A lot of them, I think, were talking to me without saying the words around their parents involved in their yeah. What? Yeah. I was like, give us examples. <laughs> what do you what mean? <laughs> what were they saying? The biggest thing I'm hearing right now, and this is another thing that scares me, is that they are afraid to make any, any movement in a different direction at all because they are scared to death that they're going to fail. scared to death. They won't take a step. Right. So they say to me, okay, so, but what if I go do that and it doesn't work? What that, or I go take that job and then I'm okay. Then I'm stuck there for the rest of my life. I'm like, who told you that? Right. Society told them that. And still reinventing how I'm doing things. Yeah. And so uh, Harry, what age range are these young adults that you're working with? Most of them are at least in their mid-20s to, I'd say, mid-30s. Okay. Yeah. So us, you're really having a session with us. That's why we <laughs> invited you on the podcast today. <laughs> Just kidding. We get it. It's it's a hard, it's a hard generation because, again, I'm going to loop it back to technology for a long time. And I'd like to think that the narrative's changing a smidge. Everyone posted their best stuff. It was like... This is picture perfect. Look at me standing in front of this jet. It's private. I fly it. And I have three easy steps for you to be able to fly it as well. And it's like we've just manufactured this life and it's made everyone feel, and I I say everyone sparingly, I'll speak for myself. It's made people feel like they have to have a personal brand, not just live their life. It's like when I'm going to a nine to five and it's got to be online, people need to see that I'm prim and proper and I have my shit together. And I go to my job every single day and I get my iced coffee. Right. And it's just so scripted that it makes people feel inadequate. So it's like, They don't see enough examples of failure to know that it's okay, to know that it actually exists. And actually, I would much rather fail in my day-to-day activities 
in order to later succeed than I would just have the easy route because there's no way I'm going to learn everything that I need to learn if I'm on easy street. Right. Right. Well, and have the skills. And Carrie, I'm sure you see this where these young adults are so smart and they're doing a lot of the things right but they're lagging or lacking skills that can totally take them to the next level Mm -hmm. or free them free them from the chains of that other level (laughs) yeah yeah and that's what we've noticed working with the younger generation is like okay we we know that we need to develop a skill set for you outside of academics and you're learning it from somewhere so we're also seeing that yes our generation of millennials is they don't have the skills either so it's so cool to see that you're in the work to help bridge the gap yeah you know i just what breaks my heart the most you guys is when i have a young adult that clearly is not loving life and not loving what they're doing, not loving where they're living, you know, all the things. And I get them to write a vision out or, or, or at least just talk to me about what they dreamed about doing when they were growing up. And if they tell me, a lot of times they won't, what that is, and I ask them, why aren't you doing it? It's all the things. Well, you know, I've got to go back to school and learn it. I've got to, what if I go do it? And it doesn't work. And I fail at it. What if I go all in and it just, I don't really love it. So they just stop. They're not even attempting to go after their true purpose because they're so scared of failing. And so, because again, with social media, you know, that could become a a very public thing, right? Right. Right. So that's what breaks my heart, you all, is that I know, and I know you know this too, that each and every one of us are born with one thing we are here to accomplish while we're here. It's just one thing. And you're, you, you are uniquely gifted at it. You love it. You dream about it. You're passionate about it. But most people have had it so beaten out of them that they just won't allow themselves to dream anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the inaction, right? And you just said it. It's been beaten out of them. And a lot of that from what our perspective is, what expectations other people have of their quote unquote potential. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. oh, you're fast. You should do track oh, mom says I'm fast, so I should go out for the track team, but I really want to play volleyball because I like being on a team sport. However, I don't want to disappoint her, so I am going to go out for track. And then my track coach is going to tell me I have a great possibility, opportunity to get a full ride scholarship. So now I'm really down deep in the rabbit hole of track when I still have this tug and it's saying, you really like volleyball, right? Then, Then we get through college as a I mean, star studded track athlete and we stop, we don't want to go any further with it and we lose our entire identity. So the expectations that people have on others is where we see inaction happening. And I love that you said, you know, we have one thing that we're uniquely qualified to do and saying that to people, I can imagine seeing the look on their face because one thing feels very restricting, right? It's like, Ooh, goo. what is it? I, what if I don't find it? Or right. what if I don't want to be constricted to that one thing? What I'll say to that is one thing could look a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm. 
I took my one thing and I owned a gym, which I thought was it. I loved it. I loved working out. I loved the space in which I was able to provide other people to come and get their stress and frustration out. And guess what? That one thing didn't work out. But I didn't take that as a sign to stop. I took that as a a, a sign to keep going. It was a foundation that was laid for me and it was like breadcrumbs to the next level of what that one thing was. Exactly. That's exactly it. And so go back again to my story, you guys, of me writing my vision, right? Now over 30 years ago, way over 30 years ago, to where I am now. The path went like this, right? All over, all the, over the place. All over the place. But each step that I took, was a step to the next step, right? So me becoming, you know, starting my first business in network marketing when I'm when my kids were babies was a step in the direction of me being able to, do, to hone my skills on leadership, teaching, vision, goal setting, all the 20 years of that, right? And it was awesome. I loved it, but it kind of got to a point where I was kind of ready to expand, right? Right. But every step has been, okay, so that was the lesson in that. How, what am I supposed to do with that so that I can apply it to the next level? I love that. Yeah. yeah. I That was when I finally learned that because no one told me that even though I was supposed to then teach other people. I was like, if I'm not inspired by this work, how am, am I going to inspire other people? Right. And I think the word purpose really does, it like triggers people. It's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm still on my path to find my purpose, which is great. But Mary and I around vision and goals, what we've really helped people see, and, and this is why I love having conversations now about vision and goals, is that the season that you're, that you're in is refining you for what's next. If right. you're willing to see it as that, right. and it could be hard seasons, it could be the most joyful seasons. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, again, it's the lily pad where, okay, well, what's next? Or we like to say breadcrumbs. So like we're, we're on to the next. And right. at the end of the day, we are developing who we are becoming. Yeah. Not what's not, going on on the not list. Not about running the marathon. Because for so long, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> and then realistically, I'm like, but I hate running. Like what, yeah. you know, why am I putting this down as a goal or, and like, what is this tying to my vision? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Yeah. Why so am I doing that? Well, hundred percent, get it off of there. Yeah. And here's the other thing you all, when we are in the hard season and we're being refined or we're getting, being prepared, it can be long. Mm -hmm. I know. Are <laughs> you speaking to us? <laughs> No, I'm speaking to myself because I happen to be in one of those phases right now, right? Where you guys ask me what I'm up to now. So I finally launched my own podcast, as you know, and thank you for being my guest. You guys. Oh, of course. Uh, launched that last November and I had put that off for like two years, but I, it, because I was doing so much coaching that I just couldn't see where it was going to fit in. And then I decided to put the, to stop the coaching. I still bring on clients here and there, but not like I was. I just felt like I needed to take a pause on that. And that's when the door opened up for me to hire this team that does my podcast now. But when you are in that season of hardship or knowing that it's something else is supposed to come, you have to kind of just be super patient because sometimes it takes a while. And that is not something that is a part of this culture at no. all. 
a patience is, I mean, the can saying is. Can you order is, that on Amazon? And can it get to my door later today? <laughs> the saying is patience yeah. is a virtue. And I'm not even sure people know what virtues are anymore. So you're yeah. right. I mean, we are, it's a microwave generation. And I think that also thwarts people in finding their purpose because they think if they join the dance team, they think if they do this job, then they're going to love it right away. And we know, we know without a shadow of a doubt that we have to do something for a while in order to find the love in that thing or be directed to the next level of what that thing is. And you got to try some things out. It's not just going to be the first thing that you pick unless you're really lucky. And that's amazing. And I, I am so grateful that that's your story. But realistically speaking, for the majority of people, it's got to be a lot of different things. We like to joke about spaghetti. It's the penne. It's the fettuccine. We've thrown linguine. the linguine and the ravioli <laughs> at the wall to see what sticks. And right. just because something sticks doesn't mean it's going to be easy or lovable right out of the gate. We love what we're doing, but do we love it every day? No, absolutely not. About right. my hundredth email, I'm like, I'm done. What, what are we doing? I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Totally get it. And there are days you want to quit. So many days. Um, but here's the key to vision and, and why, I, why I say vision is victory. So when I do a workshop, the very first thing I do is I list out five to 10 things that I know vision helps fix. And one of the things I talk about is it will help you get through the hard days. Because especially my first business that I was growing, there were so many days I wanted to quit, you guys, so many days. But the reason I didn't and the reason I went in my office and did my work every single day on it was that the vision of what I wanted for my life and my family was bigger than the wall of what I was facing. Right. So many people say, well, how do you stay, how do you stay focused? How do you stay disciplined? How do you stay where you do it regardless? And I said, because what I want is bigger than what I'm facing right now. I love that. That is such a quote. Mm-hmm. Let's put it on a t-shirt. Let's blast it everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yes, 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 hundred yeah. percent. And to kind of tie this conversation up in in a big, beautiful bow, if our listeners are tuning in and we have a lot of parents listening, we have a lot of leaders listening who maybe haven't talked or thought about vision ever. I'm sure they have in some way, shape or form, but what advice would you give people if they are feeling a little stuck, if they are in the mundane and their vision is a little clouded? What would you say to them to help them move past or get re-inspired to move in the direction of finding their vision? So when I do my, if I do a workshop or I speak in front of a group, I have a course on my website called called Vision is Victory. And it's a a recording of me actually doing a one-day vision workshop. The way that I get people to start thinking about writing vision is kind of different. And one of the things I tell them to do is to get out their legal pad of paper, journal, whatever. And date it as if it's three years out from that day. And then right after you write the date, write how old you will be. How old your kids will be, grandkids, godchildren, nieces and nephews, whatever. And also your parents, your grandparents, if you're if you're involved in their life. Because time and aging is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Three years is going to pass and you will be older. Right. I can see people at that moment go, oh, wow. Okay. So... Right. I'm going to be 50 or I'm going to be 30 or whatever. 
especially if they have kiddos in their life and they see what's about, you know, three years from now, they can see a whole lifestyle shift coming. Right. Right. And that's the inspiration I give them because nobody gives them a timeline to write about the vision. And the timeline is important because you have to kind of look a little bit further out as to what you see coming or what you want so that you can reverse engineer the game plan and start doing today what makes sense towards the longer term vision. Mm. Right. That's poignant. Yes. It really yeah. it mo- inspires people to action because what you said, time is not negotiable. It's going to keep tick, tick, ticking regardless of if you're tick, tick, ticking. Well, and I just think of what you said to how many parents are waiting for their kids to get out of the house to really start living their life. Right. You can live right now, right right this very second. And what's that going to do for your kids? It's going to inspire them. Exactly. Jill says all the time is she wants to make sure her kids know her is interesting, right? It's hard being a mother of two boys. It's hard not only being a mother, but a wife. Throw on top of it, starting a business. We're three years into this sucker. It's hard (laughs) juggling all of those things. But what her kids get to see is mommy and Miss Mary on the news talking about our passion. They get to see mommy and Miss Mary in the newspaper at, at a workshop. They get to see us hosting a summer camp and the girls that were were impacting they get to be involved in conversations around what that is and it's like it, you living your life based on your vision is only helping your kids do the same it's everything mhm talk about this a lot right now with my adults i say you know what what kind of an example are you being for them right now because they don't have any heroes in this world outside of what they're you know what they're seeing in the world and we're it. And it's the same thing, Jill. The reason, another reason I did not quit on the days I wanted to quit was because I knew my kids were watching me. Right. I knew. 100%. Yep. I, I feel that to my core, hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And I hope that this is inspiring other people listening to be like, okay, whoa, I, I need to take some time to right. figure out where I'm at and not make yourself wrong for that. I hope you hear us in that Uh and, and allow this to inspire you to know that you are made for more. Well, and there was an old Chinese proverb that said, (laughs) when was the best time to plant a tree? And the answer was 30 years ago. When's the second best time today, today, (laughs) right now. So don't live in the past and berate yourself for lost time. Live right now and create your future. So Carrie, with just a few seconds left, obviously, what's the lesson is the name of our game. So in a few sentences or even a word, what is one of the biggest WTF moments in your life that you were able to turn into a WTL moment that you want to gift to our listeners to end this show? I think it's everything we've been talking about, you all. It's just perspective. Perspective is everything. You can choose to see it the worst or you can choose to see this as, okay, what's the good in this and what can I use here? Mm -hmm. And this is how you get, you know, go from victim to victor mentality, right? Is you just have to change your perspective every single day on, all right, so what am I going to do with this? Mm. And how can I get help is the other thing. I think too many people feel like they need to struggle in silence and, you know, 
I just am a big believer that if I need help with something, I start dialing people going, okay. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Another yeah. societal norm that I had a really hard time breaking, but man, it sure has paid off. I love calling people for help now because people want to help. So they I do want to help. They do. They absolutely um, do. Yeah. Perspective. I love that. Perspective, perspective, perspective. How do you utilize that in your life in order to overcome and then thrive? So Carrie, thank you so much. We'll make sure to link your direct information within our show notes, as well as if people want to look into your book and your podcast, it's such an incredible tool for people to tune into and one that we highly recommend adding to the tool belt. We appreciate you taking the time today and you guys... Until the next episode, we'll see everyone. We'll see you. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see you then. On the flip side. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks. Carrie. Bye, everybody. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us. If you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one of the following ways. By sharing this episode with a friend or tagging us on your social media, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review, or by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Geneva for girls and parents in the show notes. This is a place where we exchange ideas, post questions, and provide support to each other. Until next time, you guys, remember, being able to shift our WTF moments and finding the lesson instead saves us time and mental energy. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.